What's going on and welcome into the Friday edition of the Pelican Podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson and greetings from the Big Apple, New York City, where tonight the Pelicans begin a three-game road trip starting with the New York Knicks. Again, an earlier tip time, it was scheduled for 7 p.m. Central, but now it's moved up to 6.15 Central. It is nationally televised on ESPN and that's the reason why it has been moved because they added the Mavericks and Lakers to the doubleheader, the second game with the doubleheader. So the Pelicans and Knicks move up to 6.15 p.m. Central. You can watch it on ESPN and watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans as well and listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Speaking of ESPN, NBA reporter Malika Andrews will join us in just a few moments as she is pretty much on the Brooklyn Nets beat right now with Kyrie Irving, but we'll get her perspective on the New York Knicks. Of course, the Pelicans and Zion Watch. Of course, she was all over Zion Mania during the offseason when the Pelicans secured the number one pick. And of course, we'll talk to her. Kind of, I want to talk to her about all-star voting, just based on some comments from Kyrie Irving yesterday on uh, players that are injured getting votes for the All-Star game. So we'll have plenty to get to as far as that's concerned. But the Pelicans are coming off a nice win on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, excuse me, over the Chicago Bulls, 123 to 108. So the Pelicans now sit 13 and 25 on the season, still just around four games back of the eighth spot. Again, six, seven teams clumped up there. For that final playoff spot, still way too early to be really scoreboard watching, but of course I am just because I'm a nervous person, and so I'm trying to watch every single game that does affect the Pelicans in that, and um, this should be a big road trip for them as the Pelicans take on again the Knicks tonight, and then we'll head over to Boston and take on the Celtics on the back-to-back Saturday night, then of course National Championship night, Monday night, the Pelicans are in Detroit to take on the Pistons, so a chance to maybe get two of three or all three of them on the road here before you head home. And then when we get back home, we'll see uh, if Zion Williamson is ready to go. And, of course, we'll get an update on that as well. If you missed Pelicans Weekly from last night with Todd Graffinini on our flagship station, you might want to check it out on pelicans.com. We had Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, David Griffin, on. He does give a Zion update. He does not give a date. But, of course, you don't want to miss what he had to talk about. So you can log on to pelicans.com or the mobile app to hear from him. All right. Without further ado, let's head over to Malika Andrews as she joins us for today's podcast. All right. As we just touched on, joining us now is Malika Andrews, NBA reporter for ESPN. She will be at tonight's Pelicans and Knicks game, which you can watch on ESPN. Of course, she was all over the Pelicans beat during the off season when the Pelicans secured the number one peak. Malika, I really appreciate you coming on. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I cannot complain. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, let's start with the Pelicans and kind of how they've been playing some good basketball lately. They've won seven out of their last ten, surprisingly 12 games under 500, yet they're in the playoff hunt. From a national perspective, how has um, the perspective of the Pelicans changed over their recent winning stretch? You know, I think it's sort of like, wow, there is a there are some really good pieces here for the Pelicans. They're obviously able to hold their own in some instances, and there's this air of waiting for the other shoe to drop. What's going to happen? What will this team look like when they have that that superstar caliber piece to add to the group? And luckily for the Pelicans, they already have that person potentially on the roster in Zion Williamson. It's just like he's the sleeping bear, and they're waiting for him to come back. So I think that's sort of the national perspective on the Pelicans right now. They are a solid team. They are a talented team. But they will be even more exciting when Zion Williamson is a part of the group. We'll get to Zion in just a second, but of course um, some of the guys that are really sticking out for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram 
in Lonzo Ball coming over from the Los Angeles Lakers. Is there more of a surprise factor with them and how they're playing, especially Lonzo of recent stretch? Or did some maybe expect this with a kind of a change in scenery for both of them? You know, I think that there was a, a, a level of, of hope at the very least that when uh, they got out of, in a different situation, potentially not with uh, the Lakers brass anymore, not with that sort of pressure on them and the sort of air of will they, won't they be traded, because that's got to be, uh, you know, shrinking sometimes. It's got to be tough to be able to play through all of those rumblings. Um, I think there was always uh, a hope that they would be able to get out of that bubble uh, and be able to perform at a higher level. The thing is, though, especially uh, with Brandon Ingram, it was, okay, after this, this shoulder situation, what is it, what kind of player are we going to get back on the court? And there was always optimism for what he would be, but there's always this air of let's be cautious, let's not uh, rush to this guy is going to be where he was pre-injury, especially something as, as scary as, as blood clots like that. That, that can be um, really detrimental. And so I think there was always an expectation that he could to that level, um, but but it's sort of a nice surprise that he did this quickly with a new group. And and for Lonzo, um, I think the biggest thing with him was just this this uh, overall appreciation for how his shot has changed. Right, I think that there was always this. Uh, he was the number two pick. Um, he was always a very talented player. He had a very boisterous dad. It was sort of like, all right, so when we get get through all of that, what kind of player do you have? And, and, and Lonzo was able to prove not only that he could make adjustments, um, but that he could be a number one option on a team. And, and he's kind of grown into his own in New Orleans, it seems. Alvin Gentry's done a really good job with him. Let's talk about Zion for a second. Of course, you were on the beat when the Pelicans were about to draft Zion in the 2019 NBA draft. But just from a, from a media perspective, as far as covering this, and of course Andrew Lopez locally on the beat as far as Zion Watch and everyone each day mm -hmm. getting an update on what he's doing and when he's coming back. When's the last time you've ever seen something like this where everyone is basically day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute, wondering when this guy is going to step on the floor again? You know, I mean, there was probably a smidge of that with LeBron last season before he was ruled out for the year. This era, never count out LeBron. Um, he could be back in a minute. He could be back in six weeks. We really don't know. Um, so I think there was that, that feverishness. The difference here, as you know, is this is fever for a guy who has never really played in an NBA game. I'm, I'm not going to count the preseason here. And so right. with that in mind, I've never seen this before. And that speaks to the kind of dynamic, both personality and basketball player that Zion Williamson is. I mean, this is a new precedent. This is, um, you know, it, it's, it's incredibly rare and it's, it's pretty exciting. What did you learn about the Pelicans and the city and the fan base during your time here in June? As far as, you know, you were on the beat as far as when the Pelicans were drafting Zion, of course, the big draft party that saw a huge turnout here. Um, yeah. As far as a, a city that just went through a lot last year with the Anthony Davis situation, what, what did you take away from that time in New Orleans? I mean, other than the fact that Marty Smith can crowd surf with the best of them and you guys have the <laughs> best big age in the country. <laughs> in addition to those two things, I mean, I think there's a, um, a, a sleeping appetite for basketball in New Orleans, and that's what I learned. I think that oftentimes New Orleans is counted out a Saints town and obviously we saw during the playoff run that that was a, um, a that, that that is the case in some moments but there really is a healthy basketball fan base there that just wants 
to have players on the Pelicans roster that love New Orleans. I was told so many times down there by restaurant owners, uh, by people who work with the team, by fans walking down the street as we did our live shots, all it takes to be loved and embraced by New Orleans basketball fans as a player is if you just love and embrace them right back. And it seems like Zion got that memo pretty early, uh, you know, going to the court a couple of days that they were unveiling a couple of days after he was drafted, eating at the local restaurants. I mean, that, that's what it takes. And I think that with, with Anthony Davis, there was a little bit of a burn there potentially because he did embrace the city for so long. And then, um, you know, that, that soured and they felt a little bit potentially betrayed by that. And so obviously it's a business. You can't help it if you decide you're allowed to make different decisions and decide that at some point in your career it no longer makes sense to be in a certain city. But that's what I learned about them, man, is all they want is a superstar who loves them just as much as they love their superstars. Um, as far as um, the New York Knicks go, let's turn our attention to tonight's game between the Pelicans and the Knicks. Of course, you're all over the place as far as who you're covering around the <laughs> NBA course right now. Um, you're covering Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets, but I'm sure you've been able to touch on the New York Knicks and their situation, of course, firing Dave yeah. Fisdale uh, midway through the year. Now you have interim head coach Mark Miller. How have things <clears throat> changed, if they have changed at all, since Fisdale's been let go? You know, it's it's a little bit of a small sample size, right? There's, it's only been about a month and I guess a month and a handful of days since David Fisdale was fired. And for a while, you know, the Knicks went on a little bit of a run there. They were beating several teams. But then when you take a little bit of a deeper look at when they were five and six in that immediate aftermath of Fisdale's firing, the caliber of teams that they were beating um, are the teams that they potentially should be beating. We're talking about uh, teams like, like the Hawks and the Wizards, and so it, it did make sense that they would be able to have a little bit more success against some of those other bottom-dwelling teams. But then, you know, you saw them go out west and play at the Lakers. It's incredibly talented and very well could be in the finals this year and sort of put into perspective the growth that they've had. So I think under Mike Miller, they've taken a lot of uh, interesting steps. They've, they've maybe stepped a little bit away from a Dennis Smith Jr. and have, have given Frank Nitilakina the ball a little bit more and have been uh, experimenting with some different lineups and different usages, especially offensively. Um, you know, Julius Randle has really come into his own under Mike Miller. That being said, there's still some, some questions I have that I think can only be answered when they're playing some of those uh, upper echelon teams. And so that's sort of where the Knicks stand right now. I don't expect this to be um, the rest of the season to automatically turn around and all of a sudden they're the eighth seed in the playoffs. No, this is still a rebuild year for them, and they still have more questions than they do answers. Before I let you go, of course, uh, the latest NBA returns have come out for all-star voting for the Pelicans' Brandon Ingram at number nine. But it was interesting today, you were tweeting about this um, yesterday with Kyrie Irving and him talking about him being second in the backcourt as far as Eastern Conference yeah. voting <laughs> while he's been missing a lot of games. And he said that he would vote for himself. He says it's a respect <laughs> thing. But I was curious, it just kind of took me back, basically, because, of course, with all-star voting, it's a lot of fan popularity, and that's why a guy like Kyrie Irving his number two in the backcourt, but um, is there, what did you think of his comments and is there anything the, the league can do as far as I know they've been able to wait some, wait some of the voting as far as the media, the players and, and the fans, but um, are, yeah. are the, is the league heading in the right direction as far as getting the right people into the all-star game? Yeah. I mean, I, I joked with Kyrie after mm -hmm. he said that on Thursday, like, I wish I had that kind of confidence I need to roll out of bed in the morning because I, earlier in our conversation, I asked, 
asked him, I complimented him. I was like, wow, those are really nice. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm great, aren't I? My, 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 uh, my creative mind is pretty good, and so I, I need to have that sort of confidence. But in terms of All-Star, I mean, there's an interesting conversation to be had about precedent versus the now, right? And so Kyrie Irving said on Thursday that part of the reason that he thinks he should be voted in and he agrees with fans is he set a precedent of being very entertaining. And he's not wrong. He is one of the most entertaining players to watch both on and off the court in the NBA. But is the all-star game about precedent? Do you, do you vote in people who have been good in the past or do you consider the folks um, have had breakout years that potentially weren't there before, um, you know, like a Brandon Ingram, like Ingram, like a Spencer Dinwiddie type of player. Um, and so that's sort of the, the thing that we're kind of getting into. And I think that's part of the reason why the NBA has opened up the voting to include uh, a mixture of different people, fans, media, and players. And also they have allowed the coaches to make the picks for who should be in that second unit for the all-star game because potentially the coaches are going to be looking not just at the stars that they want to hear their names called and yell and scream and, and sign jerseys um, and get autographs. It's, it's the, the guys who have stepped up and maybe don't have the sexy name, but, but are deserving of a spot in the all-star game. So we all should have the confidence that Kyrie Irving has. That being said, I think in his heart of hearts, he knows that this season he potentially hasn't played himself into the all-star game. He's going off of a precedent of being entertaining, and the fans so far are speaking that, yes, that precedent is what we want in a starting lineup, even if it turns out he will have to forego his spot because he may or may not be healthy by that time. We'll see how it plays out. Still 10 days left to vote uh, for all-stars here for this year's all-star game in Chicago. Should be a fun one there. As well, Malika Andrews, NBA reporter for ESPN, will be at the game tonight between the Pelicans and the Knicks. Malika, I really appreciate the time, and we'll see you at the Garden. Thanks so much for having me. See you there. All right, that was good stuff there from Malika Andrews. Before I let you go, I want to remind you about all-star voting. Of course, the latest returns came out yesterday. Brandon Ingram still ninth in the NBA frontcourt, or the Western Conference frontcourt, I should say. We need to get Brandon Ingram and the rest of the Pelicans at the All-Star Game. There are plenty of ways to vote. Of course, NBA.com is one of them. You can vote once every 24 hours. You can choose three frontcourt players and two guards. You can also use Google, search the player name and NBA vote, or just search Pelicans team ballot. You can vote right there. Use your Google Assistant. Hey, Google, vote for the NBA All-Star Game. It'll pop up for you. And, of course, you can use the NBA app as well. Today is a very important day because it's one of the two-for-one voting days. That means your vote will count twice. There's only three more days left. January 10th, which is today, January 16th, and the last day to vote, which is January 20th. Voting will end at 10.59 Central Time. And again, make sure we get our Pelicans to the All-Star Game. As far as tonight's concerned, as I mentioned, a new tip time. It's a different one. Really haven't seen a 6.15 p.m. Central tip time, but that's what we'll have. 6.15 Pelicans and Knicks from Madison Square Garden. Todd Graffinini and I will have the call. Um, on ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 FM. Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hales will have it for you on Fox Sports New Orleans. And then Mike Breen will have the call on national television for ESPN as well. So we hope you have a great weekend. On Monday's show, we'll talk to T-Bob Bear. Of course, he hosts the show with Jordy Collada off the bench on ESPN Baton Rouge in New Orleans. And it's also run on our flagship station, ESPN New Orleans, here um, in the Crescent City. 
and we'll talk to him about the Pelicans and also get a little bit of a preview of Monday's game between the Tigers of LSU and the Tigers of Clemson. Hope everyone has a great weekend. I hope to hear from you or hope you all are listening or watching all weekend long to the Pelicans and hopefully they'll be bringing home some wins for Thursday, next Thursday's game against the Jazz. For Caroline Gonzalez, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CT.